listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexa, what a pass to Anders. McCain follows. Toys Branch fires, he converts. Rhymes again. Pull up three in transition for Angela Harris. Jerome says not tonight, not in Houston. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pod Slamajama, presented by Clutch City Control, your home for all things Houston Hoops. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andy Yanez, and you can find me on Twitter at ayanez underscore five. And I'm your second host, Justin Barbosa, and you can find me on Twitter at jbarbosa underscore 95. And be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control account at Clutch City CR, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. And just in today's episode, we have a, a lot of news, a more news-oriented episode today. Um, I got a chance to listen to you guys' podcast last week with, with Ron Hugh, and it was a really, really good podcast. Um, I know Hugh is always a good good person to interview. He always gives good quotes. Uh, if you guys haven't checked out that podcast episode yet, I highly recommend you do. Um, obviously, it's going to be in the file wherever you listen to your podcast, and I highly suggest that you go and, and take a listen to it. Uh, Justin, do you have anything that you'd want to add from from just getting a chance to interview Hugh and what that was like? It was a really good experience. He's a really laid back, cool guy just to talk to, to talk about basketball and how much he loves being a movie buff and going out to eat at the Turkey Leg Hut. I think the really the funniest part of that podcast was at the end. I was actually doing my outro, and I guess he thought once Tamer was done. He thought the, that was the end of the pod, so he chimed in, go Cougs. And then I chimed in, go Cougs back. And I tried to do the outro again, and then he said, go Cougs once again. So he's just a really awesome guy to talk to, and it was a really fun podcast. Yeah, the go Cougs. He always says go Cougs at the end of every uh, interview at today. Uh, it's kind of a precursor of what we're going to talk about today, but he had a media availability today. Um, and you know, to end the Zoom meeting, he said the same thing. He always ends everything with uh, "Go Cougs," so it's interesting. Uh, well, well, let's get right to it. Um, today's episode, we're going to be talking about a lot of uh, newsworthy stuff that's broken uh, throughout the week. Um, and of course, the first thing that we need to talk about is the NCAA's decision last week, uh, last Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they officially announced their start of the basketball tournament for both men men's and women's basketball. It's going to be November 25th. And uh, Justin, what are your thoughts on the, we officially have a starting line, uh, what it takes to get from here to then. It's certainly going to be a, a interesting road, but what are your initial thoughts on just having a, I guess, having the starting line in sight? That's kind of optimistic because before we didn't really know what was going to happen. And now we have an official start date. It's a little bit later, a couple of weeks later than usual, but I would say the NCAA is on the right track. And, and other news to go along with that, uh, obviously the American Athletic Conference, it was first reported by CBS Sports that they're going to move to a 20-game conference schedule. So 
that's going to be interesting for sure. Usually it's usually about an 18, uh, 18 game conference schedule on a regular year. And it looks like they've added the two extra conference games with just how everything's a little bit uncertain when it comes to scheduling. And, uh, you know, before I toss it back to you, Justin, today, I got a chance, like I mentioned, uh, Ron Huey had availability with the uh, with media today. And he talked about just, first of all, with the NCAA de- decision, um, UH, the women's basketball team won't be able to officially hold official practices until October 14th. That's going to be the day where they officially start, I guess, um, when it becomes officially official. They've been working out since, uh, if I'm not mistaken, late July. But everything's been really, really small in terms of stations, um, yeah, everything they do, they operate in, in form of stations. Like, there's not more than five, five groups of five. And they, you know, they do all the workout, the workroom, the workout. They do all their workouts together. And then a lot of, he talked about uh, a lot of sanitizing here today. <laughs> like, whenever one group goes into the weight room and they finish their session and before anyone else can, can get into the weight room and get sanitized thoroughly um, before the other group can come in, and same thing when it comes to uh, basketball court stuff of workout. They're not doing any uh, full team practices as of yet. Um, and really, I know Coach Huey kind of talks about this detail, but they have two racks, uh, two separate racks. And the first one is for everyone. They, they use their basketballs, and then when they're done, even the basketballs get sanitized. So they're certainly, uh, they're certainly cleaning everything over at uh, U of H. And, Justin, before we go into the specifics of what Ron Hughes had to say today uh, in regards to scheduling, uh, do you have anything to say about just how much uh, sanitizing is going on at U of H? And really, it's kind of a sign of the time that we're in right now with the whole coronavirus. I think it's a really good thing because trying to keep everything clean, keep the players healthy, make sure nobody's spreading germs. And I think the whole university has been doing a good job of doing that, especially the football team. But unfortunately, on the opposing side for football, hasn't been really good as U of H football has been canceling games left and right because the other teams had a you know few players tested positive for corona. Yes, uh, I'm glad you bring that up. Uh, today that we're recording this, it's obviously uh, a Wednesday, and U of H, the football team, just had their third game canceled in the span of probably less than two weeks. Um, obviously, uh, it's been a roller coaster these past few weeks with, with the football team and just covering them, it's going to be it, it's going to be interesting to see how um, how things play out. I know they've been the the players have been anxious to get to start off the season. Now they're going to have to wait. It looks like to, until October eighth to get a game. And um, it's interesting when we talk about it here. Um, you know, basketball looks like they finally have a starting point in sight. But really, who knows when they'll actually start to schedule games? Um, and it, it's kind of a segue into my uh, next point, we were on Huey today when he spoke about the NCAA scheduling. This is a direct quote from him. He said, it's up in the air right now, end quote, when, in regards to scheduling. Nothing is, for sure, nothing is guaranteed as of right now. Like I said, it looks like the American Athletic Conference is going to go to a 20-game conference schedule. So uh, today, Huey talked about they were going to hold a big conference call with all the women's basketball coaches in the American Athletic Conference to kind of start trying to see when would be the best time to hold those games. Um, from what Huey said, it, it might look like they'd try to get their conference games in in December, which would be a little bit different from what they usually do. I know last season they got all their conference games, at least U of H got all their conference games in uh, after the new year in 2020. But 
Yeah, uh, Justin, do you have any thoughts on that? I think it's going to be really tough because uh, you don't know when the season starts. Like, I know it's around the 25th, but there's going to be, I know there's going to be a lot of protocols and whatnot, quarantine to make sure all those players are ready to really be prepared for the season and make sure they're all healthy and good to go. Absolutely. And, you know, we first touched on this about really, I guess, over a month now that we had uh, Chris Garner on our show and he, he first uh, kind of threw out that the NCAA was looking at um, bubble options for college basketball. And, you know, again, I got to ask uh, Ron Huey about that. He talked about, you know, when we think about the bubble, obviously we're going to think about how the NBA and the WNBA and MLS have done it, where it's a true bubble, where I know, with the NBA and MLS, they went over to to the ESPN uh, complex over in Orlando and they did not let, they have not let anyone leave the bubble. Like it is a true bubble. All personnel, all really everyone, not just the players, but the, the scorekeepers, the door holders, uh, everyone, the media. If you go to the NBA bubble, you're going to stay in the NBA bubble and you won't be able to return until, you know, you have to go through this whole process. Um, and when I talked to Huey, when I asked Huey today about, what he thought about what the challenges that the were of holding a bubble in college basketball, obviously what the first thing he brought up was making it a true bubble because obviously um, uh, the main focus is going to be on the players and the coaches and having them isolated. But, you know, it's going to be a little, a lot harder for college basketball to get all the staff, not just not when it comes to the team staff, but I, we mean like staff for, for the events, for the facilities, you know, the people that, that that keep track of the scores, everyone that works at the scores table, the door holders, they have to be isolated too. And it's going to be a lot more tricky if, if um, college basketball can kind of organize that because, you know, all it takes is one person to, to get coronavirus and ruin the whole thing. So that was a unique challenge. It really, I don't think we had we brought up before and just how hard it is and really kind of a, a shout out to how all these professional leagues had done it where they maintained it in true bubble and they've they've kept everyone you know isolated and i'm sure there's a whole bunch of challenges with not just with physically getting them isolated but obviously we talked about it mental problems that could arise from that too absolutely in the nba and the wnba and also mls have been like the prime example of what the bubble should be everybody stays inside and stays healthy and make sure nobody violates the bubble and all the games are good to go and you really haven't seen much cancellations at all within the NBA and WNBA bubble. Absolutely. And uh, one more one more topic that I'll mention before we uh, transition here in regards to the bubble, and really in regards to a non-conference schedule, um, like, I, like Huey said, a lot is still up in the air. Really everything is still up in the air when it comes to college basketball scheduling. And I know the women's basketball team was scheduled to have uh, – a non-conference tournament in November where they were going to play uh, South Carolina, not South Carolina, South California, Florida State, and other schools in this tournament. And initially they were going to hold the tournament in Mexico and that got moved to, it was going to be in Florida. And then now uh, he said that there's teams backing out and really it's a big question mark whether they can even get it, get enough teams to be able to hold the tournament. And then obviously if they do get to it, they can find replacement teams and get the next challenge where it's, you know, what's the testing going to look like? What's, uh, what are the, uh, the accommodations going to look like? Where are the teams going to stay? Where are all the personnel going to stay? And can you keep it a true bubble? So 
like you said, it looks like we have a starting line in sight, but currently there's still a lot of question marks in regards to, you know, if, if it'll actually stay, if it'll, it'll, if it'll actually start on time like we, like what we're seeing with college football right now, especially with U of H. It's going to be many question marks because we heard about, like you just said about Mexico. I know the NCAA has a tournament up in Hawaii as well. I heard something that that tournament might be moved to North Dakota or something. Yeah, we have a whole bunch of tournaments uh, just getting moved all over. And really, like Huey said, it's just a big uh, what if at this point and trying to get all the details just right. Stay right there because coming right up, we have some men's basketball news. Uh, the team recently added a new commit a couple of weeks ago. Plus, I got a chance to catch up with Nate Hinton a week ago when he talked about his process um, as he prepares for the NBA draft. Plus, more Ron Huey from today's availability. He talked about Layla Blair, and he certainly has a lot of praise for her. And we are back for the second half of Pod Slamma Jamma, presented by Clutch City Control Room. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. As we're back, as we talk about on September 7th, U of H picked up a new recruit for the men's team, power forward Robbie Armbrester, as he is the number two recruit in Georgia and 133rd recruit in the country. Yeah, Justin, like you said, it's going to be an interesting prospect for the Cougars, a six foot six power forward. Chose U of H over a couple of SEC schools, most notably Texas A&M and Georgia Tech. And even Virginia Tech, he, he chose U of H over them. So certainly going to be an interesting uh, prospect when he gets here. And uh, Justin, do you have anything more to add about him? Yeah, this is the second commit for 2021 for Coach Kelvin Sampson and the Cougs. As that sets their American Conference ranking to number one and number 41 overall in the country. Yeah, according to 247 Sports, and that, I, I have that uh, ranking right here on me, and it's really interesting where they only have a two, two-man two class right now, and it's already the top uh, ranking class in the American Athletic Conference. That's just it's mind-boggling to me. Yeah, I think that's a big difference with basketball. You don't see as much recruits on 247 as much you see as football. Football, you see like at least 20 players, and then once you flip over to football, it's like or basketball, it's only like four or five recruits for each year. Yeah, for sure. I know uh, when it comes to football, uh, I, I'm not entirely sure what the number was when uh, for U of H on their football side. But yeah, like you mentioned, certainly a lot more uh, players to fill. But I don't know when I when I saw that side, just kind of caught my attention. I'm like, ooh, two man roster and already the best in the conference. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. That just shows how good of a job Kelvin Sampson's been doing. Make sure this team still has depth when seniors go out and other players come in. For sure, Justin, and uh, real quickly, let's transition a little bit to, you know, when we first started this pod slam jam, we kind of talked a little bit about, you know, uh, Garden Aid Hinton, obviously, he, he decided in, in May that he was going to forego his two remaining years of, of NCAA eligibility to pursue his dreams um, and try to get drafted in the NBA draft. And uh, last Monday, I actually got a chance to, to interview Nate Hinton kind of caught up with him and you know it's going to be a shameless plug but uh the article i got to write for the daily cougar uh, and just a reminder for those of you that do not know i'm i'm also a sports editor for the daily cougar whenever i'm not doing a podcast for pod slam jamma and you know in that article that i wrote you know Nate Hinton, he, in the interview i should say um he, he said a lot of good stuff in regards to his time and kind of like that decision making process before he, he ultimately chose to 
sustain the NBA draft. And the the quote that really caught my eye, and, and this is going to be the first time that you listen to it, so I'm interested to see your initial reaction. But um, what he said, and I, and I quote, I felt like I had more to prove. I felt like I had more to get to Houston. End quote. Here's another quote before I let you react. Uh, and I'm starting. It's like you're breaking up with someone. We didn't get to finish it how we wanted to finish it in a normal situation. But I think at the end of the day, Calvin Sampson respected the decision and he wants what's best for me. End quote. Justin, what are your initial thoughts whenever you, you, you hear those quotes? And really, but obviously, we all know how the, the Cougars 2020 season ended. They didn't get a chance to, to be in the NCAA, but they needed to be in the American Conference for a postseason tournament. Uh, what do you think whenever you hear these quotes from Nana? <laughs> it's kind of shocking because it gives you the kind of feeling like, did he not have a good relationship with the coaching staff or he was just so disappointed he didn't want to come back. But I think really what I believe is he was just so disappointed in how the season went down with COVID taking out the NCAA tournament and the Cougars had a lot to prove that year because they ended the year on a high note wonder second straight American title and then COVID just completely ends that and I have a feeling he left the biggest reason I think this is my biggest opinion I think he thought like he didn't know if there's going to be a season again next year and decided to take uh, decided to take that next step if he really wanted to play basketball again because especially with COVID had everything in the year at the time when he declared for the draft yeah, that's an interesting uh, speculation that, that, that you just laid out. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily that he – well, I'm pretty confident it wasn't that he had a bad relationship with the coaching staff more than he just decided to, to really pursue his dream. And, you know, um, that second part that you talked about where, you know, with the uncertainty really with what's going to go on in college basketball, I think that could have played a factor. But from talking to him, he mentioned how – you know, the initial thought process when he, when he decided to put his name in the NBA draft was just to get the feedback. And, you know, around the same time, whenever he put his name in the draft, uh, uh, Dejan DeRoe also put his name in the draft. And uh, Dejan decided to come back and return to U of H, and Nate Hinton did it. And, uh, you know, when I talked to him, he, he mentioned how the reason, like, what really got him to change his mind was when he started getting back that feedback. So I'd imagine he got enough... Uh, he got enough good feedback, positive feedback, where he's like, okay, uh, he has stuff to work with. And really, the, the quote that, that really stands out to me, what he told me, is that he's betting on himself. And he's kind of taking that chance because uh, I think we talked about it in, a, in another episode. I'm not sure which, which week it was, but we talked about how he was in, the, in a mock draft where he finally had cracked the top 60. So it's certainly going to be a, a difficult road for him a long road to try to get to an NBA team and he's certainly not going to be a, a, a top 30 first round pick, at least not from these uh, initial mock drafts, but it's certainly going to be interesting to see his road. And this certainly a difficult decision just to, in the traditional sense where it, I'm not entirely sure what the NBA is going to do. You know, they won't have the usual summer league where, you know, you have, second round players and you know the bubble fringe players that didn't get drafted but you know they were on the fence of getting drafted I think uh the summer league is certainly a, a, a part of the year where it would have helped Nate Hinton it's gonna be interesting to see his road I'm certainly gonna c- 
continue to watch what happens with him because I just feel like his journey is going to be a, a interesting one. It's going to be one of those stories where the player has to grind his way to to get to an NBA roster. Yeah, and we saw with uh, Armani Brooks, he tried to get into the league. He played some summer league games and some games in the NBA G League and couldn't really crack that NBA roster in the regular season. And now he's he had to go overseas and hopefully for Nate Hitton, he can kind of go through that same path and actually make a roster and make it in the NBA. Absolutely. You just mentioned Armani Brooks, and this is actually a, a little bit of breaking news today. Uh, today when we're recording this on Wednesday. Um, the Atlanta Hawks actually announced that they, they're going to have Armani Brooks on their uh, their mini camp. I'm not entirely too sure what, what that is. Really, uh, you know how we, we talk about this. Uh, we talk about the NCAA. They have their start. Um, date in sight. The NBA still has no idea when they're going to start their 2021 season. Uh, you know, they're in the middle of the conference finals for right now, and, you know, they pushed back the NBA draft to, to November, too, so a lot of the NBA schedule is still up in the air, and like I said, we, we mentioned just how, how uncertain everything is because of coronavirus, and it's interesting. You know, like I said, uh, it, it I wouldn't be surprised me if that's the, the way Hinton's career has to go, where he has to grind or whether it be, you know, through the G League or overseas, but at the same time, I, I could see him being one of those top 60 picks and having to to still have to go through a difficult road to get secure a spot. But, you know, what he talked about when I when I got to interview him was, you know, that's his main asset. And these are his words coming straight from his mouth. He said, I'm a dog, end quote. Like, that's what he said. Like, that's his biggest asset, his – Obviously, when he was at U of H, Kevin Sampson called him the heart and soul of, of the Cougars. And that fiery spirit that he has, that's certainly going to help him. And obviously, he has a few things he has to work on. And he told me himself that his main focus um, right now was kind of focusing on his ball handling. Like, that was the main skill that he was focusing as he's working out. And it's like I keep repeating, but I'm really interested to see how his uh, professional career plays out. And I agree. I think uh, good things are going to happen for Nate Hinton. He's He was really one of the best scrappy guys on U of H. He was always fighting for the loose balls and getting the rebounds and shot a 38% clip from the three. I think that's a guy somebody really wants on an NBA roster. You know, it's a guy that can hustle in and out of the game and all throughout the course of 48 minutes, either starting or on the bench. That's the kind of guy Nate Hinton is, is just really bringing that energy and help it thrive off a team. Exactly. And you mentioned the word energy. I mean, he, he was a starting uh, guard for Cougars, and he led the team in rebounding. That's, that just shows it right there how, how much energy he brought to the Cougars. And, you know, uh, I'm going to end it with this quote um, that he said, uh, and he's, he's not going to be um, like wherever his path takes him. Uh, he certainly – what he – emphasized was how uh, how much U of H kind of changed him and kind of molded him like not just on the basketball court uh, who he is but also as a person and uh, I'll leave you with this quote um, he said at the end of the day I'm a representative I'm one of Samson's players it's always going to be love and I'm always going to show love anything that they need from me I'm going to give I'm here I'm all in for them end quote so he certainly leaves the University of Houston in a good relationship and like I said, whatever, wherever his professional journey takes him, I'm certainly going to be watching, and I'm looking forward to see uh, how it plays out. 
Absolutely. And you mentioned he led the team in reboundings and at six, five, maybe he could be the new Rockets starting center and leading rebounds. Oh, for, for sure. And six, five, uh, I'm the same. That's like, is PJ Tucker six, five, or he might be a, a couple of inches, uh, taller. I think he's six, five as well. Yeah. So there you have it. Uh, well, do the Rockets even have a second round pick? I have no idea. I think they have a second, round, <laughs> but I, I just know they hardly have any first round picks with the Chris Paul. Oh no, I know, I know they don't have any first round picks, but yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting. I know they had a Rob Gray in their in their summer league team a couple of years ago, and he was actually on their preseason roster. I think that was the year that Carmelo Anthony was here. So they certainly, um, they have a history of kind of adding a, a forward. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, like I said, I. I to see how, uh, how his process and his journey goes. Yeah, and uh, Justin, right before, I know we have a couple of minutes left. Uh, let's go back to, to women's basketball. We didn't get to get this in the first segment, but, you know, I want to talk about uh, uh, the new freshman guard that the women's basketball team has at U of H, and her name is Layla Blair. And for those of you, if you do not know who Layla Blair is, Head coach Ron Huey certainly wants you to know her name right now before she 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 hasn't played for the Cougars yet. She's a freshman, but she's certainly coming in with a whole bunch of accolades. She was a McDonald's All-American nominee, uh, and in her senior season, she averaged 32.5 points a game, 6.3 rebounds, 4.9 assists, and Ron Huey have high praise for her today. And the uh, director Ron Huey, and I quote: "She's opening up the building, closing the building." She's going to have a tremendous career here. The sky's the limit for her. The sky is Chan, Chandy Jones sky high, end quote. And I know we're a little bit funky, but don't, don't let that change the fact that he, he just compared Layla Blair to Chandy. And I know for a little, I'm not really sure if you guys Jones is, but consider one of the, the best uh, women's athletes that U of H has ever had. And, that's certainly high praise coming from Huey. So I know the head coach has put me on notice, and I'll certainly be watching uh, what Layla can do to the age. And it's definitely some high praise when you're getting compared to one of the best women's basketball players in UH history, maybe one of the best basketball players in UH history, as you could say as well. That's really good coming from Coach Huey. Chandy Jones is she is the old standard for U of H women's basketball. Like, uh, you know, I listed a few of her accolades before when we were uh, doing prep for the show and how Conference USA player, player of the year award she got. Um, I mean, she was a Conference USA female athlete of the decade. Like, that just shows how impressive she was. And if Ron Hughes comparing her to Layla Blair, um, she might have, he might have unintentionally just put her in a, she certainly, he certainly set the, the bar high for for Blair, and I'm certainly going to be interested in watching and see what she can do for the for the Cougars um, this season, really the next three years she has after the season. It's going to be exciting to see and hopes Coach Huey and the women's team have a really good season and cheering them on from on TV, especially with the, the bubble setting this upcoming season, and it should be really fun. For sure, for sure, Justin, and I mean – we're about to wrap up here today, but um, before before we close out, just do you have anything else to add? I know you just for those of you that don't know, uh, we're we're kind of a uh, we've been busy. We're kind of trying to squeeze in this podcast, but uh, Justin, I know you're just coming from a uh, from calling a women uh, volleyball game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, how was that? And can you share how it was? 
Yeah, the volleyball games are probably one of the easiest things in my week because I just go out there, take out the camera and the tripod and just stream the game. But this Friday, I'm actually uh, going out to Baytown to call my first football game of the season. This will be my first game for Vite this season. I'm calling play-by-play. And uh, I think it's going to be even crazier tomorrow because I'm actually going to a volleyball game tomorrow as well. I'm actually going all the way to Alta, Netherlands by Beaumont. Beaumont. And I have to drive at least an hour and a half <laughs> to go out to there and then yeah. be back home and then Friday call a football game. Man, that is interesting. Uh before before I let you go, the volleyball the volleyball game today, um it was at high school, right? Who played? It was Santa Fe and uh Lee High School. Up in Santa Fe, I think yeah, Santa Fe won the game three three sets to one. That's certainly the dream. I know, you know, how, how is it whenever, do you like uh, just driving around all over town covering uh, high school sports? Yeah, it's pretty fun. Get to drive around to different places and especially for football, you get to go around and see the whole different high school stadiums, which is pretty exciting to see. For sure. I got, I got, was able to get a taste of it. Um, at the beginning of the year, I got to, intern for the Houston Chronicle and the first thing they had me doing was a, a rugby game over by I don't know um, if you've ever heard of the Houston Sports Complex like in that area it's by uh, it's close to 288 uh, I think that's where the Dynamo have their practice facility uh, what's the name of the state? I think the name of the the team is the Houston Sabercats and the name of their stadium is uh, Aviva Stadium yeah Aviva yeah <laughs> Yeah, I butchered it, but um, yeah, for sure. Like that was the first thing I got to cover for for Chronicle, and you know, I got, was able to get a little taste of it. But certainly, it's got to be awesome, even if every now and then it gets exhausting. But you know, once you get in the atmosphere of the game and just get to absorb everything, especially you since you're doing play by play, I imagine it kind of kind of charges your battery once you once you're there and just get to enjoy game. Yeah, it's really a joy because it's something I really want to do and. Something I've only been doing for just over a year. Uh, my first ever play-by-play experience was actually for the UH Women's Basketball game at Fertitta Center. I believe it was when they were playing uh, East Carolina, and the women's team actually won that game. And it was a pretty cool experience to be courtside at the brand-new Fertitta Center and getting to call that game. Oh, man, for sure. I can imagine. My first basketball game uh... – same. So we kind of, we've kind of uh, covered uh, our, like we've been on our beat for like about the same time because I've been uh, I've been with the Daily Cougar for about uh, a little over a year and the fir- the first game I ever called period was volleyball game it was for the U of H uh, volleyball team and similar I got to go for Tia Center and kind of just um, like take in the the atmosphere and like I was only gonna write a game story on it but it was just being there like. First time ever that nothing's gonna beat that experience. And then, like I was saying, like the first basketball game I uh, called, I didn't call, uh, where I had to report on it was the men's basketball team. I think it was a a preseason game against, ooh, Angelo State. That was the name of the school, Angelo State. So I think they were a Division II school. So it was was a blowout for U of H. But then the the game after that, their first regular season uh, last year. Um, I think it was against BYU. I'm not sure if it was the first regular season game, but I know they played BYU, and it was actually it was a buzzer beater. 
that BYU won on a buzzer beater, and I'll never forget that. Like, it was a, a fadeaway shot falling towards, uh, towards out of bounds, and the player switched it over uh, Quentin Grimes. And the Fertitta Center, like, you know how loud it gets in Fertitta Center. Like, they were so loud, and then just to, to hear them get quiet, like, just stuff like that. I never forget those, uh, just the memories. Like, certainly, I'm, I'm sure you can relate. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool that both of us, like our first time really getting experiences is covering our school, which I think is really cool. Yeah, for sure. And like we're we're both like uh, kind of learning this whole process when it comes to like just recording podcasts and everything. So for for those of you guys that have been listening to us since the first episode, we, we thank you because we're, we're kind of learning through as we go as well. Hopefully, we're improving every episode, and if you've heard us every single episode since day one, we really, really appreciate it. And it means a lot to us for all of those that listen in each week, and we hope to keep bringing you more content, and it's, it's a fun ride, and we hope to keep on doing it. And that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdown, analysts, speculation, guest voices, and camaraderie of our team, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back on our next episode of Pod Slamajama, covering your University of Houston Cougars.